Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter, chapter 17? It be found on page 1114 of your Pew Bibles. We'll be reading verses 11 to 19 of Luke 17. Before we read, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and open your word, and we ask that you would give to us receptive ears and hearts to hear your word, to, to grasp the truth, to see Jesus Christ in it. And may, Lord, it rebound to you in praise as we comprehend, understand, and praise you for it, and go out and live it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And ascends the reading of God's word, may he bless it to our hearts and lives. I always enjoy Thanksgiving messages for, for many reasons, one of them being that the, the, the mere activity of giving thanks is a blessing, is one that we want to do, to, to come before the Lord and praise him. So it, it focuses on, on that aspect itself, to the praise and thanks of God, which is our heart's desire. I appreciate messages that, that center on thanks and thanksgiving even as a holiday that we have an opportunity to, to celebrate and take time and especially here to come to worship because it's appropriate that we would gather, that we would gather to thank the Lord for the, the blessings that he gives, for, for his constant faithfulness. And that's not just because a harvest is brought in or, or we have jobs that provide us food. It's, it's his faithfulness in his word and promises in the gospel. And so though any service is, is really a service of thanksgiving, it always, it's always nice to, to focus on it in that way. But what I actually appreciate about a message that, that centers on thanksgiving almost more than, than the rest, is how needed it is and how needed it, it, it is in my own life. You know, Thanksgiving, and I would imagine this is your heart as well, is something you would want to excel at, something you would want to be able to, to know that I live in true joy and thanks and I'm expressing it whatever circumstances I am in, I'm giving thanks. But sadly, we, we tend to, to see our thanks and joy dependent on whether or not we are having the life we want and whether or not we've received the things we're looking for. And, and what ends up happening is this thanks we want to give to God is, is so often dependent on the circumstances of our life. And, and I see that in my own heart, and it's something that you want to fight against, as we all do, to excel at giving thanks. Obviously, we know the benefits of it. I came across an article on the health practices of giving thanks from uclahealth.org. It says, 
Several studies show that a grateful mindset positively affects biomarkers associated with the risk for heart disease. Also, research finds that keeping a gratitude journal can cause a significant drop in, and I hope I pronounced this right, diastolic blood pressure. You can correct me afterwards if that's wrong. Apparently, that's the force your heart exerts between beats. So having grateful thoughts, even if you don't write them down, also helps your heart by slowing and regulating your breathing to synchronize with your heartbeat. I've read of other studies that, that talk about the benefits of even just keeping a Thanksgiving journal and, and the, the uplift in mood and attitude it can give you by writing five new things per day that you're thankful for. And, and despite the fact that, well, all that's true, right? It, it must be true because God made us to be thankful and to worship. And so even as sinners, when our, when our bodies and our minds do what it was created to do, you would expect that there would be some health benefit, some uplift in mood and attitude. But, but even just setting that to the side, that's, that's truly not the most important reason. We see that we are to give thanks to the Lord and if we're not giving thanks to the Lord, then it is an empty act. In fact, it, it is a meaningless thing. Even if it were to uplift your mood, even if it were to make your, your life even that much more endure, enduring and durable, how can thanks be anything but something that is given to the Lord? Something that centers us on who he is and why he's come. And that's what we see in our text today. Our, our thanks can be in many things, but especially, even primarily, in Jesus and the gospel and salvation in him. That is where we truly find thanks and what we should truly be thankful for. You see, giving thanks when rightly performed is an act of true faith and can only be truly done out of true faith. Are your thoughts rightly performed as an act of faith? Are your thanks rightly performed as an act of faith? Our heartfelt response of faith is thanksgiving to Christ. Our heartfelt response of faith is thanksgiving to Christ. And that's the purpose. You see, sadly, if we read this text, you see ten men. You see ten men and only one gets it right. But if you look at your own heart, I'm guessing you can see that many of your days are lived exactly like the nine lepers who didn't turn back, who just continue to receive the things of God or even know him and think that they, you know him as your Savior but never actually turn to thank him. You see, the, the other nine, we know the one was a Samaritan, but the other nine were likely Jews, were, were likely those who were of the land, who, who expected salvation, who were used to that thought. And so the, the, even the desire to, to thanks and offer thanks for that was gone. You also see that they, see, they were more concerned with that skin disease, with that malady, with, with what afflicted them in their circumstances than they really were about the one they came to. It's like they came to God himself, one who could offer so much more than bodily healing and in fact was offering that. You see that in the Samaritans. So, so really there's these two offers. Is it just the healing of leprosy or, or what about true salvation? 
And they, and, and they see a man that they, they think he is, he's supernatural, he has power, he can save and cleanse my body. And they get that and walk away. How much are we not those related to those nine who are, who are more concerned with the cosmetics, with the, the things of this world, the, the, the tangible things, the circumstances of life. And yes, we may have in the back of our mind, I'm saved, I trust in Jesus, but, but all of our attitudes and moods and thanksgiving are completely based on that. Is the circumstance the way I want it? And do we live a life that portrays more thanks to God for, for getting the answer to those versus the answer of a saving faith itself, which is far greater, far more significant. That's what we see in our text this morning. We're going to look here at the gospel behind our thanks in verses 11 to 14. The gospel behind our thanks. This story is well known of these ten lepers. They begin at a distance because leprosy was something that cut you off, made you ritually unclean. We've, we've gone through that before. It was, it was a spiritual separation. God, God linked to this, this physical skin disease, this idea to picture and signify how wicked man was. And to have such a disease meant that one was cut off from God's people and from his presence. It was impurity to be unclean, and that's, that's, that's what these lepers represented, those who couldn't approach God, those who couldn't even live in a society. Leprosy is dying inch by inch, day by day, a living death symbolic of spiritual death itself. That actual bodily corruption was meant to, to picture and give to us that idea of what the heart really is, this rotting flesh. This sin, and, and so there they are, they stand far off, and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Mercy is a request for pity. You don't ask someone for mercy when something is owed you. You don't tell someone when you are owed your, your wage or what you've bought or, or anything. You don't say, have mercy and give this because you expect it. It should belong to you. Mercy is something else completely. Mercy is asking for compassion and pity based on nothing but the very compassion and heart of the one you're pleading to. Find it in your heart, Jesus, to have compassion and mercy on us outcasts, us living corpses. They should then understand they are not owed anything, and we the text shows us this. Jesus did not owe them anything. It wasn't because it wasn't even because their situation was so sad that it even warranted fixing. It wasn't that. It wasn't as if there was some kind of some kind of thing Jesus had to do because of that. Nor was it that they had done enough to warrant something, that, that they had done enough deeds to, to be forgiven. What you start to see is that this is really a picture of the gospel. It's a, it's a representation of it. This story is declaring to us what the gospel is in these spiritual sinners, these, these lepers, cut off, and who have no right to ask for anything but plead to Jesus to have mercy. And don't miss the compassion Jesus has. You see, this story is in the Bible because it's significant. This story is in the Bible because Jesus had an intent to depict the gospel. This story was selected by Luke when he wrote it because it is showing a greater truth 
But the reason Jesus did heal these men was because he responded in compassion. He was compassionate. That's why he responded. Let's not skip over that. That The heart of our Savior was one to respond to ten hopeless wretches, yelling at him from a distance, yelling from, from impurity and rejection to, to be healed. And so that entire episode is a picture of the gospel. They're unclean. But Jesus tells them something interesting. What does he say? He tells them to go show themselves to the priests. Why is that interesting? Well, according to Old Testament law, these men would have seen the priests already. In fact, it would have been the priests who would have declared them unclean. They would have come to the priest or the priest to them. They would have monitored the skin disease. They would have seen how far it, it came. And all of these laws are, are written in like Leviticus and other places that prescribe this. And the priest would have determined, no, this leprosy is, is deep. This leprosy cannot be healed. You're cut off. So the last words these men, at least nine of them, would have heard from the priests was, you're not welcome you don't belong. And, and the priests are representing the law here. The priests are representing the verdict of God himself, the, the holiness of God. You cannot stand in his presence. And so their last interaction with the law and the priests itself was one of condemnation. And Jesus says, go to the priests, and he hasn't done anything to them yet. So this requires a, an act of, we could call it faith, that they have to obey and trust that Jesus is working something out because they're called to turn and go back to the priests before being healed. And on the way they are, they're cleansed. All ten are cleansed. Which then means, let's just follow this theme a little bit more, as they would go to the priests, now the priests would pronounce them clean welcomed into the society, welcomed into the house of God. All obstacles would have been removed because of Jesus and Jesus' word, Jesus' miracle, and nothing else. Is that not a picture of the gospel itself? Sinful under the law, unclean, but because of the mercy of Jesus Christ himself, when we would come back to the law, the law would pronounce us clean, and we've done nothing but encounter Jesus and have him do something to us. Is that not a wondrous picture of the gospel? To see this. And if the story were to end there, that's what it would be. It would just be this wondrous depiction. If it ended in verse 14, we'd see a great story of the cleansing power, a fine display of the gospel. But that's not where the story ends. You see, the story goes further, and what it actually is showing is and emphasizing is not the miracle itself, but the lack of comprehension of the miracle, the response, how a, a faith should have responded, what was appropriate there. Jesus is highlighting that. And so we see the gospel behind this. We see what's going on and being depicted, that there is a greater truth that the ten were supposed to get. And one of them does. But they didn't. We see, the, secondly, thanksgiving, the heartfelt response of faith in verses 15 to 19, how thanksgiving is the heartfelt response of faith. It's less about this miracle and more about this response. It's not focused on Jesus' power as much as what happens to the heart of one who's received it, truly. 
So this story then becomes a denouncement of those who should have known better and a praise of what is the right response to the gospel, a correct kingdom response. They had cried with a loud voice asking Jesus for mercy, and here he was offering more than they even knew, more than they could even guess. They wanted mercy for a skin disease. He was offering salvation from death. So much more than what they had initially asked for. It was meant to be a physical, tangible event that should have been internalized and taken up. And what's the greater point here? You could even see that if if you were a leper and this man just did what God did, what God only God can do, and that's what healing of leprosy is shown even in the Old Testament. It was an act of the Lord God himself to heal leprosy. And, and this man just did that. You, you found something greater there than even the removal of your disease. It's like that parable Jesus tells when you are in the field and the man's walking in the field and, and he finds this pearl of great price and what does he do? How does he respond to to finding something he wasn't looking for but is beyond anything and rich? He, He goes and sells all that he has to buy that field, to have that pearl. Everything else in his life didn't matter anymore because he found something greater. That was the point of that parable. Well, here this plays out in part. You you were looking for bodily healing, and you found something so much greater here. In Jesus Christ. And that's all you used him for? That, that's the only thing you, you, you came to ask of him? That was enough to heal your body and not, not seek to come back to him, seek to respond in thanks and know that, that this one is, is God's, God's own mouthpiece, this one is God's hands, this is Jesus. To not even investigate that, that's not your response. It wasn't for for those ten, for the nine. This story displays a, a wonderful literary device in separation. You see there's this spatial separation that begins. These men cannot come near. They're, they're outcasts. They shout from a distance. And as the story goes on, sadly, that separation continues. The men don't turn back. They continue on their way. But for one, you see this, this spatial separation that, that was a barrier. It's gone, and he comes and he, he throws himself at Jesus' feet. Now he's in contact with Jesus himself. The space between has been removed, and, and for this one it has, and he comes. The distance is not too great. He comes before them. And you see, it's sad. It's sad because the nine men could be thankful for this. The nine men could go home, could go to the priests, be cleansed, go to their house, tell their wives, tell their children, I am so thankful I met Jesus. I'm so thankful I asked him to heal me. Right? Couldn't they have gone to their Thanksgiving dinner? I got so much from that man. I received so much. He healed me. He gave my life back. A thanks but a deficient one. So much more could have and should have been done and said. And that's the point of this text. That's the point of Jesus' words. You see how he's highlighting their response as inappropriate. We're not ten healed. Where are the other nine? 
You see, obviously Jesus was saying that the, the right response, the right expectation for what they should have done would have been to come back, to praise and worship him, to be more enamored with the one who did the miracle and the miracle itself. Even as great as giving your life back to enter society, even as great as, as letting you now be able to, to come to your family again. You see, the gospel gives so many more blessings than we even know. Even when we believe, we are, we are given all these things. When you believe, you are, you are placed into the family of God. You are giving brothers and sisters in a church. You are given support. We, we are those who support each other. The church helps and, and works. All these these shall we just call them more minor blessings, minor things that, that are a result of a, of a salvation, and too often we are focused with the minor things and not that, that center connection by which all the blessings flow, faith in Christ, praise of him, trust in him. Do we live with a deficient thanks because for us, just like these lepers, it was only skin deep? pun intended, that all we're concerned is it's skin deep? Or is it more? You see, these lepers, these, these nine, showed that they, they didn't care as much about the one who did it as what they were given. And this is true of the very fact that one of their number turned around. What would, what would have gone through their minds as, as one of them stops and goes back, and they think, no, on to the priest we go. Well, why would that reaction be theirs? Because they were more thankful for the skin disease being gone. That was what was on their minds. That was what was ruining their life. That was more important than going back to know this man. You see, our heartfelt response of thanks is a response of faith. Our heartfelt response is to be faith and thanks coming together. And that's what this story shows. The story shows that it's far more than what we might teach our kids like manners. Did you say thanks for that? Now what do you say? Be thankful. Say thank you. It's, it, this isn't a story on correcting manners. It's not as if you see the ten were really, they were just really rude. And they should have gone back and, and thanked the one who gave them this gift. It's, it's, it's far more than that. It's that true faith. Thanks. True faith thanks the Lord. True faith grasps what's being offered. And that's what Jesus says. You can say, well, well how, how do we know that? Well, it's translated as, at the end there, you see it. The text says, Jesus told him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That's better translated, your faith has saved you. Not only does that word can mean, yes, physical healing or literally salvation, and so how do you know? Well, the context there would say save. Why? Because the nine received the same thing. The nine were made well. They got it. And so this was something more, Jesus is saying, to this man. It's not just that your faith has cleansed you. It's not just made you well. No, your faith has saved you. And so this, this story ends with nine who walked away and didn't get it, and one who did, and the one was the worst of the lot. 
It's supposed to hit you. It's supposed to really strike you. It says it in verse 16, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. And, and as you'd be hearing this story, as you'd even be reading this for the first time, if you were a Jew, you'd be like, yeah, this is great. What a good guy. He's doing it. He's got it. And then it says, now he was a Samaritan, and that's supposed to slap you in the face. And you go, what? You mean the nine Jews didn't get it? But the Samaritan did. The, the outcast, he was outcast before he was a leper. He was unclean before this. He was doubly unclean. He had no business. He had no business being there. He had no business on the Savior of the Jews. He wasn't even a part of it. It would be something like if we were to, to, to change the story as, as, and put it in our own time and, and, and idea so we could understand it. it. It's like the ten, the nine Protestants didn't get it and the one ignorant unbeliever did. That's what this is like. You see, sometimes we need to see that mercy and grace of God and the response from someone who knows they don't deserve it. Which this man clearly knew. The least of the least, and he knew it, he knew he was the least of the least. Sometimes we need to see God's hand bring someone like that for us to be shaken out of our own minds and to see, you know, we presuppose salvation. We just accept it and think it's ours, and we don't realize what an amazing gift this is, and we don't realize that the point of the story is that we are all as unworthy as the Samaritan. That's all of us. To think that, we would, that God is beholden to us in any way. Or that, that, we, we, that, that salvation belongs to us more. Just to, to presume it, no. Why is our heartfelt response of faith one of thanksgiving? Because for one to receive what they know they don't deserve one to receive life itself and they've done nothing to, to, to achieve it, can only result in praise and gratitude or thanks. See, a, a thankless Christian truly is not a Christian. How, how could he be? You've been given all things by sheer grace and mercy. And if our heart isn't one to, to acknowledge and see that that was God's love and his act towards us, and we are to be thankful because we didn't deserve it, we didn't do anything for it, then we well up in thanksgiving. And it is a hard, cold heart who doesn't truly grasp the gospel that isn't one of thanks, or at least one striving to be thankful. To return and, and thank the Lord for all these things, ten were healed bodily, but only one was saved. And the response that showed the truth was his praise and thanks. You see, here's, here's the thing. The Samaritan wasn't saved because he came back and showed thanks. No, it's his thanks showed that he was truly placing his faith in Christ. And that's why Jesus said, your faith has made you well. It wasn't that he was thankful first, and then, and then Jesus looked on that and said, you know what, I'll save you now because you showed a good heart. A good heart, a saved heart, responds in thanks for all that we've been given. And it's that, that, genuine, that genuine faith 
The story is insightful for us because it is clearly teaching us that mere happiness from God's actions are not complete until they are turned into an act of praise and thanksgiving and worship of him. And, and this, is, this is so true and needed for us. One commentator says it this way, The manner in which one responds to God's kindness is important. Anyone is a candidate for God's general acts of grace, but that does not mean one has received grace's ultimate benefit. God's grace extends to all, but only some receive the gift of salvation. The greater gift is received by faith, faith like that of the Samaritan who comes to Jesus. Luke desires the reader to identify with the Samaritan's exemplary faith since it yields God's mercy. And that's what we are to do, to identify with the Samaritan. And you see then how this true story, this, this true event that is related in the gospel then shows you that, that yes, you, who you're identifying with in this story is the Samaritan. You don't want to be the nine. You want to be the one who had no business there but re- received the mercy and salvation of God himself. What, what an example to those who would read it. In the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, we know this from when we were in the, the series a little while ago, that Luke was written to Theophilus, a Gentile. And, and he says the purpose for why he was writing, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. And so to this Gentile audience, there's this story This story of one who was seen to be as a Gentile, who was this Gentile who received salvation. What an assurance and conviction of what you've been taught in this story itself. And to be instructed as well that your true faith yields thanks. As an act of worship, as the appropriate response of the gospel to which you've been given. And finally, as we conclude, what about our thanks? What about our thanks? And this is just brief. How, how do we take it? How do we take this message today on even this Thanksgiving Day? What does it matter? Well, the first application is obvious. Give thanks. Quite obvious. Give thanks. But just because it's so obvious doesn't mean it shouldn't be clearly spelled out and clearly put before us. We are to give thanks, to show proper gratitude, to show proper reception of the gospel, to value what was, was given truly in salvation more than anything else. To, to come back to the Lord and worship him and, and, and to let that be something we always thank the Lord for. That's what we're supposed to learn from this. But we also are to learn to give thanks correctly. You see, that's the difference between the, the, the way anyone might just be thankful, which is always does strike me on, on holidays, especially Thanksgiving, when, when all the routines and traditions are to, to number the things that you're thankful for. And I, and I want to say to, to those who may not believe, thanks requires a giver. Otherwise, what's the point? I'm so thankful for my family. Who are you thankful for? And, and why? T- to be thankful is to acknowledge that someone gave you something and did something for you. It, it, we just throw that out there into the air. So thankful for my job, people will say. Or so, so thankful for my, my friends. And in that worldview, you, there, there's no one to receive it. And so it means absolutely nothing. 
that its only worth is that it might make you more tolerable to live with. <laughs> you might be one that has more gratitude. You might be a, more, a person more upbeat and, and, and of better attitude. People might be, want to be around you, but, but as far as, as the thanks that's offered, it's completely worthless if it's not offered to the one who actually gave it. And so we have to give thanks correctly. We're not just thankful in a general way. How do we give thanks correctly? Well, it's first directed to Christ. And if it's not, we're not doing it well. So first, it's, it's directed to God. It's directed to Christ. It's directed to him, just as the Samaritan did. He came back to fall at Christ's feet. You notice he didn't even just stop and fall down on his knees and, and look to the sky and say, I praise the Lord. He ran to his Lord. It's directed to God in Christ. That's how we do it correctly, but we also do it for the right understanding, with the right understanding, for the right reason. Our thanks is to the Lord for salvation and for what he has done. And it all falls into place after that. And then, yes, you can be thankful for, for anything and should be thankful for everything that you have, you have been given, but it's through this understanding of who you are in Christ, saved in him, that he is the one to be thankful for and that your thanks is then never assailed and can never be diminished because you always have salvation. And Jesus tells his people, go, your faith has made you well, or better translated, your faith has saved you. Could not be clearer, the one who did well in this story was the one most undeserving and knew it. You are not looking at yourself as the most undeserving we, you, you have some growth, as we all do, to see ourselves, as Paul calls himself, the chief of sinners, the most undeserving. Because what that is, is just an acknowledgement of you, you've done nothing and are better than no one. It's only by God's grace that you can be saved. So the one who did well was the one most undeserving and who knew it and was able to see the mercy for what it was. And because he was able to see the mercy for what it was, he was able to see Christ for who he was. May we do the same. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you on this day to offer thanks and are so thankful. This, this story does bring with it a, a warning, a warning and even challenges to us as, as we even see our sin in it. We see how we do lack to give thanks, but we are so thankful because we see your instruction here, how we are, are told by you how best to respond, what is a, a heartfelt response to faith, that faith brings thanks. And Lord, we thank you that, that we are the Samaritan in the story. And that we are those who, who place our faith in you and you alone. And we don't trust in ourselves. We don't think we deserve it. And Lord, we pray that we would correctly value this gift of salvation, the gift of being united to you. And, and it would extend into, into every day of our life and would infiltrate and dig down deep into our heart that at the center of our life would be a joy, a thanks for who you are and for, for saving us and bringing us to yourself. We pray this in your name. Amen.